Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Now, I want to launch this series by talking about a very, very foundational aspect of our relationships, okay? So whether you're in a relationship with someone, you're single again, you're single for the first time, whatever that looks like for you, this is something that can apply to you today because it's a big word, and we want to make sure that we look at the scripture for this. And what I want to talk about that is so critical for all of our relationships, for all of our meaning meaningful relationships is the word trust. Everybody say trust. When we tackle a big conversation like this, like trust, the first place that we have to look is scripture, right? Because we need to know the truth about trust. And we need to ask God what he has, what it means for us to trust him before we can trust each other, right? And so I want to look at Proverbs 3, 5. This is a pretty familiar scripture for all of us. Can we read this together? It's going on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I love this scripture. It's one that encourages me a lot. But this is no floofy, feel-good scripture. There is some meat and some meaning about this scripture and what it means to trust in God. Theologians say what the author was really saying in this scripture is trusting God is a fundamental part of our religion. It is the first lesson that was learned by Jews and Christians that we must have a full reliance on God. All of our reliance. We must have full confidence, not in the world, not in each other. We must have full confidence in who? God. As we look more closely at this, it says it literally means that without a reliance on God, without a confidence in God, you cannot carry out what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means that you trust God, that we put our trust in who he is. It means to cling to, to confide in, to set one's hope and confidence upon God. The word in Hebrew for trust is batka, and it means in God we trust. Where have we seen that before? Trust, trust in God, not money. Okay, whatever you were thinking, trust in God. Psalm 37.3 also means very similar. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So I'm going to ask you this morning before we talk about relationships, do you trust God? Is, are you confiding in God? Is your hope and all of your confidence, is it in God? We have to start there first, right? Now, I know that 
when we talk about relationships and what it means to trust people, people aren't quite as trustworthy as God, are they? I tell my husband, I am not gonna buy another thing on Amazon, I have finished, trust me, you don't have to worry anymore. But then I needed the wooden bath mat that keeps the floor from getting wet when you get out of the shower. I needed it, right? And I broke his trust and I bought it, right? We can't always trust like we can with each other the way that we trust God, but we must start there first. You know, when I was dating Pastor Pretty Pin and thinking about getting married, the first question that I wanted to be able to answer before we were gonna like maybe start a life together, I asked myself this question, can I trust him? Can I trust him with my heart? Can I trust him to take care of me? Can I trust him that when he says he loves God, he actually loves God? Can I trust him? Now, the other question I asked myself, which was actually even more important, was this. If I marry this guy, can we recover when our trust has been broken? Because the truth is that trust can be broken not just in a moment, not just in the worst kind of betrayal, but trust can be broken and erode over time in a relationship. And these are things that we have even experienced in our own marriage. And I knew that I loved this guy and I wanted to trust him, but I also knew that people often let each other down, that we often break each other's trust. So why do we start with scripture? Why do we start with God before we can think about trusting each other? Because people aren't as trustworthy as God, which is why we must first put our trust in him right? We got to start there. I mean, think about the vows that we make to each other. I now take you, insert name of spouse or future spouse or whoever, to be my wedded husband, to live in holy matrimony. I promise to love and comfort you, honor and keep you for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. I will be yours alone till death do us part. I mean, can any of us really say that we can do this daily without falter? Without falter? I mean, I know that has not been true for me. Trust is a risk. Robert Solomon says, all trust involves vulnerability and risk, and nothing would count as trust if there were no possibility of betrayal. So today I want to propose the question to us, how do we build trust in a relationship? And how do we rebuild trust that's been eroding over time? in a long-term relationship. Some of us were in a season of wanting to build a deep trust with the person that we're dating or that we're engaged to, or we're single and we're like, I have no idea. When I get in a relationship, I don't know how to build trust. I wanna make sure that I know how to do this, right? So when we're dating and we're trying to build trust, we're, we're feeling each other out, we're sharing our deepest things, we're going through life and experiences and we're checking to see, is this a person that I can trust? Is this a person that I can trust with my life? right? Some of us, we are in relationships. We're in marriages. We just started a marriage. We just started dating. We just uh, have been married for a long time. Our kids are all grown, right? And we've had eroding trust over a period of time in our lives. And, you know, for some of us in the room, we've, we've experienced the worst kind of betrayal, And I want to stop here and I just want to say, I know that there are moments in relationships where a relationship is irreparable. 
And, and honestly, uh, it takes two people to make this work. So if you're in the room this morning and you have experienced that kind of betrayal or you needed to get out of that relationship for your safety or for or whatever reasons, I don't want this message to make you feel guilt. I don't want you to sit there and condemn yourself and say, oh, I should have done this differently. What I want you to know is that there is a lot of compassion and empathy and grace for those of you that are single again. God sees you. And I pray you'd be able to take this message and be able to just encourage yourself. Be able to take that maybe into the next relationship or just take it into the other relationships that are around you. Can I get an amen? I see you. Those of you that are in the audience that way. I mean, some of us, we've been in marriages or relationships where it feels like we can't trust the other person with our money. We feel like we can't trust the other person because of addiction, an addiction that they have and they haven't been able to heal or have breakthrough in it. For some of us, we've had someone say, make a promise to us that meant the world to us and they didn't keep their promise. And it made us feel like we can't trust them. I mean, sometimes I think the fights that we go back to, sometimes there's a reoccurring conversation that is heated that comes up in our marriages, right? And a lot of times underneath that is a trust issue. We have to go back and we have to be honest about. You know, my father was a flight instructor and he taught, taught university students and college students how to fly, fly airplanes. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I bought past, brought Pastor Pradeepan home to meet my family and meet my parents. And my dad said, I want to take you guys up in one of the planes. So we went up in a twin engine plane from the university. Anybody been in one of those? They're awesome. Love those things. We went up in one of those and uh, as we're getting ready to fly, we're in there, we got our headsets on and my dad says this. We haven't even taken off yet. My dad says, well, pretty Ben, he said, uh, you have the controls now, you fly the plane. He goes, let's see, before you marry my daughter, let's see if you can follow instructions. And I'm like, we're gonna die. <laughs> we're gonna die, you know? And so he is like telling Pradeepan how to take off. I mean, take off and landing is a big deal, people. So we take off, Pradeepan does it, we make it, we're up in the air, we're flying over. We're flying over my town, we're flying over our house, we're seeing all these beautiful things, it's amazing. And I just have to trust him. I'm just sitting in the back thinking, okay, well, I guess this is gonna determine if we get married or not because we might not live, right? <laughs> And so we're up there, and then uh, my dad says, all right, time to land the plane. You ready to land the plane? Pretty even just follow my instructions. You know, I just had to trust him. But you know what was really cool about that situation is that I knew that I could trust Pradeepan in that moment because my father was still there and in charge, right? My father wasn't gonna let anything happen to his baby girl, right? And so it is, we have to start with our trusting, putting our trust, putting all of our confidence, confiding in our Father in heaven, yeah. right? That's where this starts. We can trust people, but our ultimate trust must be in our heavenly Father. We gotta start there, amen? So as I look at this, man, I, I think about what is it? What's happening with our marriages? What's happening with relationships? There's a breakdown that's going on. I have some statistics that I want to show you about what's happening in marriage and why marriages are struggling and failing. This is from Forbes, top reasons for divorce. Lack of commitment is 75%. Infidelity or extramarital affairs, 60%. 58% too much conflict and arguing. 45% getting married too young, 37% financial problems, 
35, substance abuse, 24, domestic violence, 18, lack of support from family, 17% healthy, healthy pro health problems, 13% religious differences, and 13% thir uh, little or no premarital education. Really understanding what you're about to get into before you make the commitment. You know, when I look at this list, you guys, what I see is a lot of broken trust. I see a lot of trust that is, is, is broken and we, we're struggling to have an ability to rebuild it. And so I want to talk about that today. R.M. Williams says, trust is the easiest thing in the world to lose and the hardest thing in the world to get back. What happens when trust is broken? Well, for most of us, our walls go up. I'm not going to trust you again. You broke your trust. You broke my trust. You made a promise, right? What else happens? We make these inner vows to say, like, I'm never going to trust this person. I'm never going to trust anyone ever again. These are the things that happen because when we're hurt, we start making these promises to ourselves, right? We believe lies. I'm not worthy of love. She'll never care about my needs. He doesn't care about anything. He's not ever going to change. This is the loop that starts repeating over and over again in our lives. We begin to live in bitterness and contempt toward our spouse. Instead of having a relationship that is healthy in our marriage, we have a roommate that we're not intimately connected with, right? We isolate from each other. Do you see how broken trust it can corrode over a period of time? Because we make these vows to ourselves when someone hurts us so deeply, right? So today, I want to discover some biblical principles on how to build trust in a relationship and how to rebuild trust when it's broken. You guys ready for this? Number one is this. Well, let me just say, with every, uh, with every biblical principle of how to build and rebuild trust, there's also a contrary um, area that erodes that trust. So the first one is this. Honesty builds trust. Silence erodes trust. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you know the word for confess in this scripture means to open? It means to open yourself. It's, it's a moment of being honest and being vulnerable. Now, I think there are two struggles that we have when it comes to confessing and being open with each other. The first one is we often struggle to be honest about our feelings and how we feel with each other. The second thing we struggle to be honest about is to admit our failures. It's not very popular to admit our failures. You know, I think some of us, we can't express how we're feeling because we don't know how to. We don't know how to identify the emotions that, I didn't know I was experiencing betrayal. I didn't know I was experiencing uh, just feeling neglected. You know, we don't really know how to put words to what we're feeling all the time. And I understand that. We didn't grow up with parents or in a household where we talked about feelings, right? Some of us, we don't know how to really humble ourselves and admit our failures to our spouse or to our significant others because we never heard our mom and dad apologize to each other. We never heard them own their part in the mess, right? And this is something that we have to learn. And to, in order to be able to be truly honest with one another in our relationships, it is going to require great humility and great vulnerability. That's what we have to commit to. Now, I want to take a little bit of the pressure off this morning. 
And I want to give you some tools. I want to give you some language that I think can help you in your communication, in your ability to try to be honest with the other person, okay? There's some language that I've incorporated into my life, and even in our marriage, that's been super helpful. And the language, and when we're having these kinds of conversations, I can't identify my emotion very well, or I'm struggling to admit my failure. What we have started to do is hold space for one another. Everybody say, hold space. How do you hold space for each other? I want to read this definition to you. Holding space refers to the act of being fully present with someone else without judgment or distraction so that the person can share their experiences and perspective. This looks like creating a safe, accepting environment, engaging in attentive listening, and offering non-judgmental support. Research shows that holding space can reduce stress and anxiety, enhance relationships, and improve mental health and well-being. At the heart of holding space is being with a person and their emotional experience without trying to fix them or their problems. This is my favorite part. The solving is in the listening. The solving is in the presence. The solving is in the letting the other person know that you are there, you understand, and you aren't going anywhere. Isn't that beautiful? What we can do when we're not quite sure how to identify our feelings or not, we don't have it all polished, we don't have it all pers- figured out perfectly to communicate, what we can do is just say, hey, I want to hold space for you. I know this isn't perfect. I know we're going to stumble through this, but can we just hold space for each other? And whatever you say, I'm not going to judge it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it let just rest here for a minute. I'm going to suspend it right here. Holding space builds trust because you can be honest without fear. You know what this quote didn't say? It didn't say you have to agree with this person. It doesn't say that they even said all of the true things, right? It doesn't even say that, it, it definitely didn't say that you must, you also have a turn to be able to share your part in the lived experience with someone else on the other side holding space for you. Pastor Pradeepan and I, when we were dating, we had a moment where he told me something. He was really honest. Because sometimes when we get honest with each other, we don't actually want to hear what the other person has to say, right? And we were dating, and he told me something I did not want to hear. He looked at me one day. We'd been dating for about a year, and he said, Amrita, he said, I don't know if I'm ready to commit. I don't know if I want to get married right now. And we had been dating for about a year, and I'm a few years older than him, and I was like, listen, I got my act together. You're cute, you're smart, you love God, let's do this, right? Like, why are you slowing this process down? Let's go, you know? And I appreciated his honesty, because you know what he said next? He said to me, he said, listen, he said, what I don't want to happen is me commit to you right now, five years later, two kids down the road, then I decide I need to be curious about something I never took care of. And I appreciated his honesty. And I didn't like hearing it. kind of broke my heart, actually. I cried. I thought we were going to be together. And I had to go back and realize, oh, maybe we won't. I don't know. But I'm glad we took the time. We have to be honest. We have to hold space. I held space for him, and I backed off. I didn't try to push him to marry me. I wanted him to want to marry me, right? And so we have to hold space for one another without judgment, bringing safety. Again, you don't have to agree, but we can hold space, and we can start there. Can I get a good amen? On the other hand, silence erodes trust. Silence is golden until it becomes a form of betrayal. 
You know, the Gottman Institute is a research-based approach to relationships, and it has discovered the four horsemen of the apocalypse of failed marriages and relationships. And uh, it is research-based. It's the four communication styles where basically they can predict when a relationship is going to end based on these four things that happen. I'm going to tell you. We're not going to go through all of them today, a couple of them. One is criticism, contempt, defense, and stonewalling. Basically, if these things reoccur over and over and over again in your relationship, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to keep that relationship alive. If you're someone who really struggles with conflict, it's difficult for you to be in a heated conversation. You may be someone who you, have to, you feel like you have to walk away. You feel like you can't stick around. You feel like you've got to emotionally shut down. That's called stonewalling. And on the other person's experience, it feels like, well, that person must not care. They're just walking out of the room. I'm trying to share my heart, and there they go, right? Well, stonewalling, I want to help us understand what's happening when we stonewall. Stonewalling is when someone emotionally shuts down and withdraws from the interaction. It can appear they are ignoring you, pretending you aren't there, and are angry. What is really happening is the person is flooded. That means they are overwhelmed to the point their brain can't function normally. When someone is stonewalling, what's happening is they're perceiving uh, threats from the outside. And they feel like they, can't, they literally can't be there in this moment anymore. And it's really difficult to understand. It's really difficult to, to deal with this. And one time, I stonewalled big time for Pastor Pradeep. And we were in downtown Seattle. We were in our car. We were having a major fight. And I just got out of the car in the middle of Seattle. And I shut the door. And I just got out of the car. I was so mad. I didn't know where I was. I had to call him and be like, I'm so mad at you, but can you come pick me up? <laughs> Stonewall, I can't handle this, right? I can't handle this. Now, listen, before you poke the person beside you, like, oh, that's you, you know? That's him. Thank you for helping me know what's wrong with him or her. I want us to stop for a minute, and I want you to say, listen, I am going to start with myself. Am I somebody who stonewalls? Am I somebody who shuts down emotionally? Am I somebody who walks out of the room? Am I giving that person a chance to share? Am I holding space? Or do I have something else going on inside of me that I, I just, I, I can't? I have compassion for those of you that struggle with this. And I wrote it like this. If you're someone who stonewalls, there's something really deep happening inside of you that you must address. You can call a timeout in the conversation, but you can't avoid conflict or hard conversations that need to be had forever. Stonewalling is something we have to pay attention to. I encourage you, church, to hold space for one another. Trust in God. Be somebody who is honest with yourself and honest with your partner. Don't silence. Don't cut them out. Don't, don't disconnect yourself from your relationship. I believe that this can dramatically change how you can communi communicate with one another. Can I get an amen? Number two, empathy builds trust. Defensiveness erodes trust. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know, empathy, honestly, it's one of my favorite human characteristics. And, you know, it, here's what definition. Let me give it to you. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And it bothers me when we don't practice empathy. Because I know that you, too, have struggled with pain. 
I know that you too have had issues in your life and you're not perfect. Why is it that we struggle to put ourselves in each other's shoes when we know what it feels like? We know that we have to remember that empathy can be lost, I think, mostly over long-term relationships, right? Because we're just, we just forget to be empathetic with one another. We, we go into defensive mode so quickly, right? The scripture says, this is why I love this scripture. The scripture says that, that Jesus, our high priest, he knew exactly what it felt like to be betrayed, to be ignored, to be invalidated, to feel like people broke their promise, He knew exactly what it felt like. We don't serve a king who doesn't know what it feels to be in the struggling marriages in terms of how we feel on the inside of us, the pain and the woundedness. We know a Jesus who has experienced those feelings in his life, right? And so I want to encourage you, when we accept and begin to receive empathy from Jesus, I believe we can give empathy to those around us, right? But here's what stops us. What stops us is that we feel like we have to make our point and stick with it. And I have all the reasons why you are wrong and I am right. Right? And so we become very, very, very defensive. Again, this is one of the four things that can predict the end of a relationship. When all you start doing in your communication is get into cycles of defensiveness, this is a really difficult and dangerous thing that can happen in your relationship. Defensiveness is a negative defense mechanism in which we deny or deflect a complaint to protect ourselves from our perceptions of being insufficient or wrong. We might feel defensive when we perceive that we are being criticized or blamed. And we might act defensively to avoid the painful emotions stirred up. I mean, there's a reason, a valid reason for why you want to be defensive. But you, you still have to take ownership of the fact that that wasn't the right way to respond. Does that make sense? Pastor Pradeepan and I had a few years in our marriage where honestly, uh, defensiveness was way up here and empathy was way low down here, Right? We went through those patches and those seasons in our marriage, and, and we, we, we decided to, to seek help for it. We started seeing a Christian marriage counselor, and I was so glad that we did, because you know what that helped us do? That helped us to be able to look at one another and say, oh my gosh, I know exactly how you feel. It valued the experience, the lived experience of my husband and my, I thought I knew everything about Pradeepin before we got married. I mean, I checked it off. I made sure I knew everything. You get five years into marriage, you're like, oh, there's some surprises, right? There's some surprise. I didn't know they were going to be like that, you know? But you know what happened when we started really seeking help and we humbled ourselves? Man, I started to value the experience that this man lived through in his life. He is the son of immigrant refugees whose parents had a divorce and there was an ending of relationships in his past. I am a person who was abandoned at birth. I carry things within my literal body and within my neural brain that is hard for him to deal with. It's coming up in me, right? We get triggered. We have problems with each other. And instead of being defensive with one another all the time, you know what we did? We began to understand each other and deeply value each other's story. And instead of defensive, we cried with one another. We looked at each other and we said, I didn't know you went through that. Of course you act like this. (laughs) Right? This is what it means to hold space. This is what it means to be empathetic toward one another, right? It was beautiful for us 
to take the moment to realize, man, I didn't realize that because of some of the ways that you respond to me or I respond to you, it was breaking some trust in our relationship. It happens, right? And so we had to go back and we had to look at each other and deeply value what's going on inside of the other person. And it will help you be more empathetic. It will help you walk out in that. I love this quote by Maya Angelou. Each of us has lived through some devastation, some loneliness, some weather superstorm or spiritual superstorm. When we look at each other, we must say, I understand. I understand how you feel because I have been there myself. We must support each other and empathize with each other because each of us is more alike than we are unalike, right? I wrote it like this. Empathy before explanation. Before you feel like you got to explain your side of the story, empathy before explanation. Can we say it together? Empathy before explanation. Okay, let's get that inside of us. All right, last one here today, number three. Asking for help builds trust. Control erodes trust. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. One of the most attractive and trust-building things that Pastor Pradeepan ever did in our marriage is go get help, is go to counseling, is deal with his baggage. It's one of the most attractive things I ever did too. Humble myself, go get some help, admitted that he needed help. You know that built trust in me for him? It was an expression of love to me that he is someone that would say, I can't do this on my own. That's not weakness. I can't do this on my own. I, I need help. I need someone who will walk with me in this. And you know why? I think when people do this, it shows us what it communicated to me is that this man is willing to do anything to make this work. Even if it means truly humbling himself, having to be honest, having to admit his own failures and me admitting my own failures. The scripture says, the way of the fool is right in whose eyes? In his own eyes. Wise men listen to counsel, the scripture says. I think some of us, we've tried to fix our relationships. We've tried to fix our marriages without fixing ourselves and so we just we just put a band-aid over something we don't actually take care of anything really deeply and as the great taylor swift says band-aids don't fix bullet holes this could have been a whole taylor swift song right like this whole message you can't fix your relationship without fixing yourself needing godly counsel is nothing to be ashamed of and can i tell you something i want you to listen right now in this room so many of you that are in this room, you can't afford to not get help. You have too much to lose. You have too much to lose. The relationship that you have, God brought you in. He wants you to nurture it. He wants you to repair it where it's been broken. And with God, you can do it. With God, he can help you. I'm telling you, as a person who's walked through some hard stuff in my own marriage, in my own relationships, God can help you. Trust is earned when actions meet words. On the other hand, control erodes trust. Being with someone who always has to be in control, they often struggle to be someone who can admit and be honest about their own weaknesses and their own failures. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not trust in the Lord with your need to control. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this is what we often say to people who are struggling in their relationships or struggling in their marriage. We often say, listen, don't wait until the ice cracks in your relationship to get wise counsel. Once it cracks, it spreads quickly. 
So if you're someone and you say, well, I mean, we got a little bit of problems over here. It's kind of big, and, but, but everything over here is fine. I, I encourage you to really spend some time. Talk with each other. Do you need someone else to help you speak into what's going on in your relationships? I want to look at all three of these things that I shared this morning. Honesty builds trust. Silence erodes trust. Empathy builds trust. Defensiveness erodes trust. Asking for help builds trust. Control erodes trust. Every single one of us in this room struggles with something on this screen. And I want us to start. Your assignment this week is not to point the finger at your significant other. It is to start with yourself. I want you to start there. I want you to examine your own heart, and God will help you do that, right? And I know that this, this is a message that is kind of heavy, and it's something that brings up some stuff inside of us, right? But I believe that when we invite God into our relationships and we begin to trust Him, He will fight for our marriages. He will fight for our families. He will walk with us. It doesn't matter how dark the storm seems. I believe that God is still with you. He is with you. So I want to, as we launch into this new series, I want to impart something to you. I want to pray over you. I want to just impart the word of God that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So could we all just stand here in this moment? And if you would, just put, put your hand on the, the shoulder of the person next to you. Because we're praying for all of us. If we're single in the room, if we're single again, if we're married, if we're in the middle of a divorce, there may be those of you that are in this room right now. I see you. And can we just dedicate and commit our hearts to trusting in God? And I just want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up my church. I lift up these people who so want to put their trust in you. And God, would you give us a greater capacity and a greater ability to trust in you? God, I pray that we would have our hearts to be able to be aligned with you. And Lord, there are times that I've come to you and I've said, I don't even feel like I can trust you, God. And for the people that are in this room who are struggling with that, God, by your grace, would you help them to trust you? Even if we start a little bit at a time, God, by your grace, would you help them to trust you? And Lord, I lift up every relationship in this room, every relationship that's struggling, every relationship that is going to struggle, every relationship that is on the other side to victory. Lord, I pray that you, God, would walk with us in our marriages, that you would walk with us in our relationships, that we would be people of God who would be able to say, I know how to build trust in this relationship. I know how to rebuild where it's been broken. But I know I can't do it without Jesus. So Jesus, we invite you into the hardest places of our relationships right now. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.